gratitude is the opposite of almost everything negative. So whether it's resentment that someone's sitting in for a long time and we know how dangerous those are, an inability to forgive someone or fear, any of these things, practicing gratitude has to get, out of, get us out of that. There's just no way we can hold both gratitude and resentment at the same time. There's no way we can hold gratitude and self-pity at the same time. Like these things don't, they don't, they can't sit in the same vessel. And uh, that's, that's what I've found with it. I won't pretend to say that someone can just do a gratitude list and they'll kick an addiction. Um, addiction is, is big and it takes a lot of work, but a very necessary component of my own recovery was a, a gratitude practice and putting that into place. And that eventually morphed into, I didn't stay with that practice of writing it down and sitting, talking to someone that was just for the first 30 days. But what that morphed into was what I spoke about at the beginning, just in the shower every single day, making a point to express a number of things I'm grateful for. And I don't stop at three and I don't mind repeating myself at this point. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, Georgian Benta. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today, we have with us Eli Nash. He had a deep, dark secret that he kept hidden for over 15 years. He grew up as one of nine children and was sexually abused from the age of eight. Growing his company to over 20, uh, 250 million didn't feel the emptiness he felt inside. And the therapy session led him to opening up and finally hunting down his abuser only to discover a broken, weak man. Compassion and forgiveness revealed an untapped power Eli had never experienced before. Today, Eli is the co-founder of Mike Drop a movement helping to amplify unheard voices. Eli, welcome to the Gratitude Podcast. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here and talk about this subject. My pleasure. I'm really happy to have you here and I'm really curious about your perspective on gratitude and also um, to for you to let us know a little bit about your project, what you're doing. So if I fail to... Um, to introduce some important things about you, please feel free, feel free to add. Absolutely. Yeah, I think we'll just, we'll see where it goes and what the conversation uncovers will go in the direction we both um, needed to, I suppose. Awesome. In terms of gratitude, what it means for me, I think this is awesome that there's a podcast people come to, to listen to gratitude, because in my own experience, that's about 90% of it is uh, setting aside a time where I say I'm going to be grateful. I see in my mind, um, gratitude is kind of wrapped up in prayer. I know for a lot, people think of prayer as I'm going to ask God or the world or the universe or my higher power, whoever that being is, to do something. And I see prayer much more as um, thanking, like it's a process of thanking for what we have. I think it comes from a place, like a starting point of I deserve nothing. I think also, you know, I grew up Jewish and I grew up with a, a lot of 
the Jewish values and principles and prayers. And prayers always started with um, thanking God for different things, thanking God for your soul coming back to you in the morning and for waking you up and thanking God for, you know, one of the prayers is the, almost the first prayer is thanking God that our system works, that our body works, and then that the rooster knows to crow in the morning. So we wake up and just on and on, it's this idea of thanking. And then woven into that are some requests, but more from a starting point of setting aside a designated time for gratitude. I think prayer and gratitude are more synonymous than uh, we typically think of the words. Mm, I love that. And it's it's really interesting that actually today um, I've put out a, an episode about uh, gratitude and prayer and it had a very similar idea to what you just said and I think that's <laughs> that's quite beautiful and uh, yeah I totally believe that uh, gratitude and prayer have have a lot to do uh, uh, with each other and I love the idea of starting your day with uh, a prayer of gratitude and starting your prayer with gratitude I think it gives the prayer itself um, power because it's it's like faith applied applied faith actually right correct i you know um some of the tips that worked for me was not to think of it in terms of okay i'm going to designate this 45 minutes or hour or even any amount of time for prayer or meditation or anything else but it's more to connect it with something that i'm doing every single day so um, i haven't heard it from others but for me it's the shower for at this point in time it's connected as soon as that water hits my head, I'm already um, starting to pray. And since I do that every day and I try to do that every day, it's just a part of my routine. It's very easy for me to get into that space. And, you know, there's always, when I talk about gratitude, I either have to write it down. So obviously that's not done in the shower or <laughs> say it loud enough for me to hear it. Wow. It's not so much thinking about it. I actually say it. Wow. Loud enough for me to hear. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for whatever it is. Hmm. I, I love the idea of uh, like what you just said, for you to hear it. I think that that's awesome. Yeah, I, I think it, it takes enough time. Like it allows us to um, think about it for a little bit when we say it loud enough. Otherwise you say, yeah, I'm grateful for my home, my health, my wife, my this, and just kind of think it quickly and not actually get into it. I say it loud enough for me to hear it. Wow, I love that. I love that. And I, I think it's it's so powerful. Like it, it becomes real somehow, right? When you when you speak it, it becomes real. It's not just a thought, something that is immaterial. It somehow becomes part of this reality. And at least this is how I see it. Yes. And I, I don't limit my gratitude necessarily to that. I also have an app, but what I find with my I have an app I use uh, the five-minute journal, and the first thing mm -hmm. is three things that you're grateful for. The thing about that is I find I don't go, end up going there every single day. So when I do, then I write it. And that also, I think, puts it out into the world. But what I find with the shower tip is just I'm in the shower every single day and saying and having those few minutes where I'm expressing that gratitude is powerful as well. But one or the other, either saying it loud enough for me to hear it or writing it, and I can mm -hmm. see it. Yeah, that that's lovely. That's that's a great tip. And uh, you said that it it came from within to uh, to link it to another um, habit that you have. But it's actually scientifically proven that 
the easiest way to get into a habit is to actually link it to something that we already do. And yeah, I think that's that's a great idea that our listeners can can think about as well. Like maybe if if they drink coffee each day, they might link uh, this uh, new habit with drinking coffee or something. I'm just I'm just saying. I'm just brainstorming. Yeah, it could be really anything. I mean, that's what worked for me is I got into this place that in the shower is where I do it. You know, so I'm singing in the shower. I pray in the shower. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> so let us know a little bit about how you got to experience gratitude for the first time to actually discover it, not just the concept, the idea of it, but to actually feel it. Yeah, you know, before we got on the call, I said that uh, learning the idea of gratitude almost always comes from a place or the benefits of gratitude comes from a place of pain. You know, pain are our best teachers and we learn our lessons yeah. best over there. For me, uh, you spoke a little bit about the abuse and the impact that it had on my life and keeping that secret. Uh, there was a lot of pressure to keep that secret, but I think that along with others turned into an addiction. And in my case, um, the addiction was to porn, pornography. Mm-hmm. And uh, you, you know, it's an extremely, extremely powerful addiction in terms of, especially now, in terms of the amount of obsession, the amount of availability, the compulsive actions there, it's just, it was really all consuming and put me into an extremely negative place going there. And I think some have a um, tendency to minimize porn, like, oh, it can't, it's not as damaging as drinking a ton of alcohol or doing drugs. When anyone wants to stop a behavior and they promise themselves that they will and they can't bring themselves to um, the despair that sets over someone, I think is just, is incredible. And I don't, I don't think it matters what that behavior is when someone really wants to stop eating a kind of food and they can't stop themselves or speaking in a certain way, like that behavior, just recognizing how powerless we are to stop it um, puts us in a really difficult place. And I was there and I, I could not, I'd broken so many laptops. I'd made all sorts of promises. I'm, everything under the sun, I'm never watching porn again. And, you know, one, one story I like to say is at one point in time, I got an eye infection, I went to the eye doctor, and I was convinced that the reason I had this eye infection, which the eye doctor told me if the antibiotics don't work, could lead to blindness, was because I was watching porn. And I was so committed, like, I'm never going to watch porn again, I'm done. And it didn't work. So the, the spear that sets in is pretty big deal. And at some point in time, I was fortunate enough to run into a guy who also had this habit, but he had kicked it. And we had spoken a few times, but um, you know, there, there's something special about being desperate. It took me a while after I got his number to be in a really desperate place. And I called him one day and we spoke and I said, just tell me what I got to do. You somehow got out of this porn addiction. Tell me what I have to do to get out. Just whatever it is, I'll stand on my head. I'll you know, sell my company, just tell me what I got to do in order to kick this habit. And he said, I want you to do three things every single day. One, he recommended me to 12 step meetings and everything else. The other is he said, I I want you to write down your fears that are coming up for you. Um, And what he allowed me to recognize from that was the way fear was dominating my life, whether it was fear of people or fear of situations and things like that. And the third thing was he said, I want you for 30 days to write down three things you are grateful for. And fears you can repeat as many times as you want. Like if it's the same fear every single day, like I'm afraid of losing my money, just put that fear every single day. With gratitude, I never want you to repeat 
anything for 30 days. And that became a challenge for those 30 days to find 150 things that I'm grateful for because I couldn't repeat it. And it was a very powerful, uh, today I'm sober and I haven't watched porn for a few years. And um, it's pretty amazing looking at it now that I was able to get there. And I do credit a lot to that first conversation and the value and benefit I got from the gratitude practice. And that was the way he told me to do it was to actually write it, write it down. He wanted me to show him the list so we can talk about it. That's so empowering. And that's so powerful. Like whenever we are able to overcome such a habit, whatever habit might be, that's taking a grip on our mind or on our bodies it's amazing the feeling that we get when we when we're able to to get free of it and uh, i'm guessing that uh, those 30 days got you to to have a different focus right to to focus all the time on on the things that are great in in life and i think like like you just said like you said before actually going live um that gratitude is a, a solution for much of the negativity for for fear as well like have you seen a a, a link between fear and and gratitude absolutely i think gratitude the way i said it is gratitude is the opposite of almost everything negative so whether it's resentment that someone's sitting in for a long time and we know how dangerous those are an inability to forgive someone or fear any of these things practicing gratitude has to get out of get us out of that there's just no way we can hold both gratitude and resentment at the same time there's no way we can hold gratitude and self-pity at the same time like these things don't they don't they can't sit in the same vessel and uh, that's that's what i've found with it i won't pretend to say that someone can just do a gratitude list and they'll kick an addiction um, addiction is is big and it takes a lot of work but a very necessary component of my own recovery was a, a gratitude practice and putting that into place. And that eventually morphed into, I didn't stay with that practice of writing it down and sitting, talking to someone that was just for the first 30 days. But what that morphed into was what I spoke about at the beginning, just in the shower every single day, making a point to express a number of things I'm grateful for. And I don't stop at three and I don't mind repeating myself at this point. <laughs> I love the fact that you uh, challenged yourself in in the first 30 days to to find new things each day to be grateful and I think that that is a really good idea because we might tend to think about the same things that um we thought about yesterday and for it's it's not easy for all of us to to keep this the the same kind of emotional involvement when it's the same thing when it's something new uh, we we feel the freshness and we feel uh, the gratitude uh, in a different way and how was it how how did you manage to find all of the all of those 150 things to to be grateful for uh, you know sometimes there's like a step that you're looking for um, and then once you get that step you can take another 15 or 20 steps Maybe a good analogy will be, you know, those walls people climb. It's like there's one rung that's really hard to get to. But once you get your foot on that one, then all of a sudden like another 10 or 12 steps just are real easy after that one, if that walk climbing analogy makes sense. So I think um, when I first thought of the gratitude, I thought, I, I thought of it as something that was very large. 
if to, in order to be grateful for something, it, it had to be this, this big, massive thing. Like, um, I'm grateful for this woman I'm dating. I'm grateful for this big deal I closed. I'm grateful for, um, I don't know, the new car I got, something big. And then I realized that it could really be anything. I'm grateful that, you know, my pinky isn't hurting really bad. <laughs> when your pinky hurts, it consumes your life. And I think just realizing that, that gratitude, and I'm, I'm not talking about a trite, I'm talking about it in a very real way. Like I'm actually grateful, you know, that my tire isn't flat because you just remember the time where it was and how that derailed your day. You get to the office two hours late because of a flat tire or the weather is good. Like these small things can suddenly be a real source of gratitude and we can really embody that feeling without having this massive, um, this massive event take place in our life. That was probably the biggest shift that happened in the process. And then once that happens, then getting to 150 is relatively easy. That's true. That's true. Because these things, we, we can find many of them and we can find them easily each day, no matter how the weather is or how things are going in life. It's It's really easy. And especially if we cultivate this habit, like, for instance, after those 30 days, uh, what have you seen as a shift in your life? Like, um, were you seeing more things that you could be grateful for or nothing happened or what happened actually? I, I think I, I learned the power that not that much has to change for everything to change. Oh. <laughs> I just sitting there and saying, okay, let me choose to focus on this. But you did say something interesting, which I've never, I've said one part of it, but then when you said the opposite, it made me realize that contrast. I said, I spoke about the despair when you're trying to do something and you fail. And you spoke about how amazing it feels when you try to do something and it works. And I thought of that, you know, in terms of the addiction, the amount of confidence it has given me in other areas of life when I say that I was able to stop watching porn, like almost everything now feels easier Wow. than that. And just, it's like, wow, I was able to do this. I can do something. I can do something else. As a matter of fact, it segued very quickly. You know, you spoke at the beginning about mic drop and uh, me being a co-founder of this mm -hmm. company that helps amplify people's voices and gives them training and platform to share their story. One of my main fears was public speaking. In fact, it wasn't public speaking. It was any emotionally charged conversation. That was my fear. If a conversation had emotion in it, I just freaked out. I couldn't deal with it. And public speaking happens to have often a lot of emotion involved mm -hmm. in getting up in front of a room, that, atten that attention, especially if we start sharing personal stories, then it can be very, very difficult. And shortly after getting sober, I made a commitment to challenge that fear of public speaking. And then just watching the way kind of the world unravels. Um, one of the things I said, I often say is on the other side of fear, I found purpose, right? There was this massive fear associated even with letting go of porn. I eventually was able to let go of porn and then see, oh, here's this another fear, this fear of public speaking. I also challenged my fear of heights. I went to Costa Rica for a week shortly after getting sober just to do different activities that challenged my fear of heights and just seeing how these fears could be challenged one at a time and all starting from that place of being able to get past um, this porn addiction. And in a large part, I credit that to the practice of gratitude. Wow. 
that's amazing i know that you that you've also managed to overcome in in this process uh unhealthy shame and guilt um how how were you able to do that i think it's the same right some of what, what um what we spoke about i mean the shame involved with being abused i don't know why there's so much shame attached to it but somehow in our brain i mean i guess i understand that you know a child even when their parents get divorced they take on that experience they say somehow it was my fault and it's the same thing i guess with the sexual abuse and what i went through you know being abused by this man over a several year period um left me in a similar place of shame despair or a lot of guilt over it um why did i go back i should have known better and on and on and on. What did he see in me that he did that to me? Why did he choose me, not someone else? So a lot of those places. And what I really found was through talking about it, through expressing it, through putting it out there, two things happen. Number one, I find out I'm not the only person like this. And shame, um, you know, Brene Brown, she's a famous researcher, shame researcher, she describes shame as the fear of not being worthy of connection. So when mm -hmm. I put my story out there and someone comes and says, hey, I was abused too and I've kept it secret for so many years and I also felt like this, I was like, okay, now we're connecting over that. So there's no room for shame where there's connection in that way as well. And the second is the way people are helped by it. And that's what I think is so cool is when we're able to, um, in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous, the founder writes 12 promises. He says someone who goes through the 12 steps will experience these 12 things um, these 12 things in your life. And one of the promises is no matter, it reads like this, no matter how far down the scale we have gone, we will see how our, we will see how our experience can benefit others. And I think that's so cool is no matter where we've been, no matter how um, badly we felt about ourselves over something we did or something that happened to us, we will come to see through this process that our experience can benefit others. And it's so healing when we're able to share our story and someone else says, wow, that really helped me. And that's one of the things I love, absolutely love about Mic Drop and being able to give people a platform to share their stories is that exactly is the way other people are helped. And by the way, who can get on your platform? Like how, how do you see it? How, how does it work right now? Everyone could, you know, someone says to me, oh, you guys are kind of like TED Talks, right? We're actually the opposite in a lot of ways. TED Talks has a process, and I did a TED Talk a couple months ago, and I saw the process is much more of who are you, what's your, what new idea do you have, and tell me why you deserve to be on the TED stage. So in a lot of ways, although TED is amazing, in a lot of ways we're the opposite of TED in the sense that we believe that everyone has a powerful story to tell. Everyone can inspire others. I think that everyone has one speech that can, you know, blow the roof of a, off of a building. Every single person has that. So uh, we train really anyone and we have, a, we have a theater, we have our own theater where people put on private events or we create events that are tied to a theme. We go into corporations, but that's the idea. If someone reached out to us, uh, we'll figure out a way to get them on the stage and share their message. And sometimes it's not getting on the stage. Sometimes it's not what someone's looking for. We've had many clients say, I really want to share something with my family. I really want to share something with my company. And can you help um, me formulate my message and train me to give that message? And sometimes that's all it is, is someone getting up at a dinner table and speaking for 10 minutes about something very important to them. 
to their family and we've trained people for for that as well it's really to me about giving someone their voice back i think a lot of us me definitely for many years i lived feeling like i didn't have um i didn't have my voice i didn't have the right to speak i couldn't say what i wanted to say without bringing up all sorts of fears and today i can and i want to give that to others that's wonderful and i definitely share that belief that we all have something amazing inside of us that we can share with the world and can make a difference and um i think i'm living proof of that somehow because i'm uh far away in romania and i'm able to share my story and also to um to have a platform where other people share their stories um and I'm hoping that, and I'm already, and I'm hoping that I will continue to make a difference in in many people's lives, even though, like, I'm I'm not some kind of celebrity or something like that. And I think that definitely it's it's a great idea, and I think it's it can make us feel more liberated, and indeed it can liberate other people as well when when they hear us and how 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 can our audience get in touch with you for this like how how does the process work so there's two ways if you'd like to see the talks that we publish um, we put that on our youtube channel and that if you type in mic drop you can type in mic drop and my name mic drop ellie nash because mic drop is relatively common term so you may see some other things if you type in my name you'll see a talk that i gave about my own experiences confronting my abuser and everything else and then a lot of the other talks and subjects range from teenage pregnancy to mental health issues to addiction to pregnancy problems to trust faith i mean everything in between so we've got all sorts of stories up there and you know just this morning um someone shared with me a post someone put on instagram someone i don't know they took a picture of someone speaking at our event and said, if anyone knows who this person is, please let me know so I can tell her how much she has changed my view on life. And that I felt a lot of gratitude when I said I had a part of that, that this person who's not a a massively well-known speaker, we trained her to give a speech. She actually had a fear of public speaking. We trained her to to speak. She shared her story. Her story was actually about difficulty, um, like very, very difficult um, childbirth where she had several miscarriages and she also was hospitalized during her pregnancies and just the way that um, translated to a faith and belief, like a deeper faith and trust in God and to the point that now she has 10 children and going through that experience and feeling a lot of self-pity and anger and everything else saying, I want to have children, but this is so difficult for me. When she shared her story, someone else saying, this changed my view of life. When this person has all the access to the top speakers in the world, but something about her story connected the other person in that way. So that's one, is checking us out on the YouTube channel. Our website is micdrop.one.one. So it's mike, M-I-C-D-R-O-P, dot O-N-E. And you can see what we're doing, a lot of our feature talks. And also, if you want to get in contact with us, um, we're going to be launching a scholarship program, too. So, you know, we're a business, so we charge, but there are certain stories that we'd like to get out there as well. And in the next week or two, we're going to be launching a scholarship program for people to take advantage of sharing their story. And if they don't have the means to pay, we'll figure that out. Awesome. That that sounds really good. And 
I also wanted to get to to another point since you've um, mentioned self pity. How can we go from from being a victim to being a victor? You know, this is a tough one. This is uh, self pity is probably the thing that comes up for me most. It's the um, the first place I go to when something goes wrong and where I have to get out of. Um, I love. Do um, you know the the book Positive Intelligence? Shirzad Kamin. Uh, I actually don't, but it sounds interesting. Really cool book. He talks about, you know, they talk about emotional intelligence, IQ. So he has, I think it's PQ, positive intelligence. And what he talks about is the judge kind of being the, the source of all negativity obviously comes from this being in our mind, this judge. So one of his recommendations, which I've used a little bit of, is to name our judge so we don't identify it with quite as closely. And he says, pick a name for your judge, you know, whether it's Crazy Monkey or something else. I call my judge Siskel and Ebert. So when a, a negative thought is getting to my head and I feel like I'm in that place of self-pity, if I'm able to catch it, I'll say, it's like, wow, Siskel and Ebert thinks I should really feel bad about myself because this one thing went wrong. <laughs> and everything else in my life is doing pretty good, but this one thing went wrong, so Siskel and Ebert thinks this would be a good idea for me to... Uh, to, to get there. And Siskel and Ebert, the, the critics, the movie critics, is where I go from. So I think that that's a way I found when I'm able to catch it. But I have to be honest with the audience is that this is a place that um, I uh, probably struggle with the most. I'm not there often, but it's when, I, when I'm in a bad place, I'm usually in self-pity first. And how I work myself out of there, I'm still, you know, maybe we can do another podcast in six months and I can give more thoughts on how I've been able to break free of some of it. But as far as um, personality character defects go, self-pity is certainly one of mine. Mm, thank you so much for the vulnerability and for the transparency. I think it's, it's very liberating to hear and uh, very refreshing. And um, I think it's, it's also very empowering and, uh, I think we're all going through this one way or another on a bigger on or on a smaller scale. And uh, I think we're always also always evolving. Like it's not something that uh, we, um, we can make sure that it will never happen, but it's, it's something that we get better at each and every day. And I think that's, that's very important for us to know and to accept ourselves for, for the fact that we are evolving, we're getting better, we're growing. Um, I also wanted to ask you, since we're nearing the, the end of our time together, who in your life are you grateful for? I think my, my number one um, accomplishment that I feel is actually having a family. Um, and I say that because it wasn't the direction my life was headed in. As a matter of fact, um, I spent years in therapy over the abuse, and one uh, uh, one therapist told me that personalities like mine rarely, if ever, get married. That's exactly the way it was said. And um, I feel like in proving that wrong, like, is one of my biggest accomplishments, and that's what I'm most grateful for. I'm most grateful for my son, whose birthday is next week, his first birthday, and I'm grateful. Oh, that congrats! <laughs> expecting a second next month. Oh, amazing. Um, which is to me the, the I, I know a lot of people say family. I don't mean it the way a lot of other people do. Mm -hmm. 
I mean it in a very, um, very, very, very sincere way because I know that without a lot of the things that I've done in my life, I would not, without a lot of the work that I did, the, the practice I developed, I would not be in this place that I'd be married, happily married. I have an amazing relationship with my wife, with my son, that to be in that place I know was not gravity. Gravity didn't pull me here. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's amazing. And I think it's, it's a great way to, to end our conversation. Once again, let our audience know where they, they can find you, where can they get in contact. For myself, personally, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Instagram. On Facebook, I'm as Ellie Nash, E-L-I-N-A-S-H. Um, Instagram, my full name, E-L-I-Y-A-H-U-N-A-S-H. And either, you know, follow, see what's going on, and definitely check out what we're doing at Mic Drop. And I think that in terms of um, your community, if they want to become a part of Mic Drop, I think that it, it matches really, really well in terms of what we do in this practice of gratitude. You know, when we talk about self-pity, and I mentioned those things, is one of the main teachings at Mic Drop that we communicate is that you don't have to be perfect to deliver a message. In the Talmud, it says, if you know Aleph, teach Aleph. Aleph is the first letter of the um, Hebrew alphabet. If you, know the fir- if you know one thing, teach that one thing. You don't have to get through the whole alphabet in order to be able to be worthy of delivering a message. Everyone, everyone's worthy of that. Wow, that's beautiful. Thank you so much for, for being here with us and for sharing so much wisdom and for being so transparent and honest with us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Gratitude Seeker. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this interview. I really appreciate it. And if you could think of one person that would also benefit from it, share it with them. It might actually be the inspiration that they need to make their day or maybe even their life much better. Thank you so much once again. This has been Georgian Benta. Don't forget to keep seeking and spreading gratitude.